from a radio studio on Long Island, New York. Come two diehard fans of the greatest rock and roll band hailing from Hollywood, California. Dissecting all things Guns N' Roses and anything else in their distorted minds, it's Brando and Scotto. Because you know what the fuck you are! And this is Appetite for Distortion. Try it again! And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 16. Sweet 16. My nice. name is Brando. With me, as always, is Scotto, comma, Ian. What's going on, cheese tits? <laughs> That's a new one. I guess saw uh, me, myself, and Irene. Sorry. I'm doing good. It's been, uh, what, three weeks since we recorded an episode? Yeah. And... I'm I'm glad to be back. I'll be honest. Like there hasn't been much news in the GNR camp until this Mitch Lafon interview, mm-hmm. which is why we're really excited to have him on. And we wanted to have him on last week. And I will be the first to admit it happens in life. Was going through kind of a rough period, still working out of it, and just stuff in my personal life. And I ended up not doing the show last week, mm. which you you would have loved to have. And it would have been even fresher to talk to Mitch. Not that it's not topical right now but uh you know we put it off a week because of me which i appreciate you doing and we're we're back in the saddle as aerosmith would say <laughs> i appreciate your and honesty or, or excellent back back. <laughs> look at you you son of a bitch you completely got it savage animal yeah there's my <laughs> man baka right, that time was very appropriate but what were you saying you were... i i really admire you admitting that because you didn't need to say anything we don't yeah, we don't really owe our our listeners, anything, uh, and I, don't, I mean that in a, a positive way, because we're we're, real, we're nothing right now. You know, it's it's very cool that we're getting people from different countries. But you've uh, you've been um, candid on this show, yeah. Uh, no. I, I me a little bit less. The the only time <laughs> people don't even know about this. The only time I was ever really candid is we were doing an episode once via Facebook Live, which was kind of your idea, mm-hmm. and. I hated it, and there's people who probably saw it on Facebook Live, and in the middle of it, I was like, "Dude, this is not working." It was really weird. You were so uncomfortable. I was very uncomfortable. Like you, like you were being molested, like uncomfortable, and I was like, "What is wrong with Ian? Just relax." You know what's the funny? And you couldn't do it. And I got to tell you something funny, actually. Remember, there were two guys. This is so inside, so I apologize for the listeners. But um, there were two guys who walked in the studio at, at when we were at oh the last Long re- Island at the time. Sure, and one of those guys is now an intern at Sirius. Oh, really? And he's a huge Beach Boys fan. Oh, I know, Mike uh, Pastier or whatever his last name yeah. is. Yeah. Oh, he's a good dude. And we ended up uh, talking Beach Boys, and he realized that he knew me from that one time. So okay, yeah, funny yeah. how things work, man. Yeah, good so, guy. Yeah, no, Mike is uh, a good guy from one of my former radio lives. But no, I wanted to say, and it kind of goes into what this podcast is about, obviously Guns N' Roses on the surface, but the reason why we're doing a Guns N' Roses podcast is not just we we love the music, but just all the things underneath the surface, uh, all the, the, the pain that all of these guys have gone through. And I think it really segues nicely into what the topic is going to be today with uh, Mitch, and that's Steven Adler, and the, the troubles that he has had. And the addictions and the depression that he's gone through. And you just have to go up there and be on stage. And, you know, you couldn't – and I'm not anyone to judge how somebody deals with their their issues as long as they're trying to do something positive and nothing to hurt somebody else or 
themselves, of course, and Adler was hurting himself. Uh, these, these are part of the things I want to bring up when we, when we get Mitch on the line, uh, that we want to be open as well. We, we're asking about the personal lives of Stephen Adler, Axel Rose, Saul Hudson, Izzy. We're asking. We should be as honest as well with them because I, I think it's a two-way street, and they're that kind of band. They're a real band. Uh, they still are a real band, and by real, I just mean they're not some corporate – I mean, I can see a lot of rock bands today – that and I, I feel like such an old man saying that, but uh, I think the best example and maybe the the rest of the record is better. But like the new Lincoln Park, it's just now I just feel it's it sounds like a top forty song. I haven't heard it. It's 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 not good. It's, the only Lincoln Park. Like, it sounds like a Twenty One Pilots song, which is fine, but it's not Lincoln Park. So I mean, I understand uh, Gino had their departures, and we'll play a clip later from Mitch's interview when Adler still can't get over the piano thing. Um, it's it's just that there's so many layers to this band, there's so many layers to us. So that's why I'm always honest. Plus, sometimes it's it's humorous to find out, you know, talk about a Jew going to therapy and being on medication. I'm a stereotype. <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, so that's why I appreciate that. So I wasn't expecting you to be honest with it. Whether you want to say, you know, you're, you're going through some, uh, I should I should sorry, start calling you Caitlin. Yeah, uh, and, what kind no, of issues no. are you going through? You can leave that off the air, of course. Yeah, yeah. No, there's there's a few different things that just affected me, and uh, even when we were recording the last episode, I'm not going to get completely into it i will at one point for sure i no you know, time and place i also place. i don't feel i'm completely over it so it's um it's one of those things too where i don't want to be the type of person offering advice until i'm personally at a good place oh t- completely uh, but I, completely but anyway because I, I do like to be that that person I, I i guess i'll go off on this real quick but i love watching inspiring stories and seeing people who got out of really bad moments like ted talks or yeah and i would love to be that person at some point um well you know uh, because i i definitely did reach a low point um recently and i'm getting out of it but i i actually look for those things and they're very inspirational for example and it's funny you always are like are you a sports fan i'll be the one mentioning sports now for the first time okay uh you ever hear like r.a dickey's story no all right Check it out online, and this is completely non-GNR related, um, but he he did a thing for, I think it's a group called I Come Second or I Am Second, um, which is like a reference to that God comes first type of thing. And apparently like R.A. Dickey, former pitcher for the Mets, uh, molested twice when he was younger, once by a boy, once by a woman, um, later became suicidal, was like ready to kill himself, had um, his engine going and was about to basically suck in the fumes mm. and and something inside told him, don't start the car. Um, and then he later tried to swim across, across a river uh, not too far from that time and he almost drowned. And he was like, I have kids that I'm about to leave fatherless. I have a wife, like, how could I do this? And suddenly, as he's about to suck in the water, he felt the bottom of that river. And his teammate grabbed him, survived the whole thing, and and it he's turned his life around since. So that's just one example of one of these things where I'm sure he talks about it in his book, but you watch these things on YouTube and you're like, it, it just feels good knowing that other people have gone through really bad experiences, 
far worse than mine and then become as big as a guy like R.A. Dickey. Sure. And this is the the turn that we make to, to Guns N' Roses. That's why, you know, I know you're a fan. I haven't read the book. I just saw the documentary. It's so easy from Duff McKagan. Yeah. You know, his trials and tribulations slashes, especially Stephen Adler. Stevens of course. And, and, and his mom just came out with a book. She was here a few weeks ago at our studios we here. We got to get her on. And, uh, oh, well, I'll reach out to her. I just wanted to, you know, not jump off because she was here for iHeartRadio doing a, a radio tour. So I just wanted to, you know, have her do her job first before I ask her to come on my silly little podcast. But I'll reach out. And these are the things I want to talk to Mitch about uh, because this is for someone I, I've been to AA before. I've, I didn't know that. Yeah, I've never been to the level of of an Adler. Not even close. Uh, my vices are marijuana. <laughs> marijuana is not a drug. I used to suck dick for coke. I seen them. And and alcohol. Uh, was, I, see, I just knew about marijuana. You're being very candid here. Yeah, it was it was mainly marijuana. Alcohol was kind of just like I want. I just wanted to be completely knocked out. Yeah, you know, kind of thing. And that's why I was like, I, I my therapist and I agreed. I, I need help. So I got started going to to AA. And there's a lot of things that Stephen mentions in in the uh, in the interview. We'll play some clips that sound like things I heard in AA. And he sounds like he's still in it. And he, he keeps saying how he's. He found closure. That was the big uh, clickbait headline uh, for a lot of places. Uh, Stephen found closure. I'm not so sure about that based upon some of the things that he's saying. Uh, I want to play this one clip before we get Mitch on because Mitch obviously knows his interview. We don't need to play it for him. Uh, But if you haven't heard it yet, this is uh, about two minutes. And this is just for me – and we're going to talk about the whole interview. So nothing is really being taken out of context. So this is uh, Stephen just kind of just talking about – just like the reunion, and it's just, it, it, this was very shocking, I thought. People think that I got kicked out of Guns N' Roses for doing drugs. They're so mistaken, okay? Everybody in that band was doing drugs. I was doing less than anybody. I got kicked out of the band, and Izzy got kicked out of the band, and then Sasha and Dusted was because Axel wanted to take control of everything. He wanted to own the name. He wanted to be the only person who gets paid for the songs. He wanted, you know, to, he wanted to be the manager, the accountant, and everything. When all he needs to do is get up there and sing. It reminds me of sorry, like motherfucker that he does. But he wanted to own and control everything, like like Elton John. He wanted to be like Elton John or Billy Joel. You know, that's where the whole piano thing came in. He wants to be a piano man. <laughs> I do and, like what he which said. Which is cool, but that's not Guns N' Roses. You should leave Guns N' Roses the way it is, and then you do solo albums like all musicians and other bands do. But, you know, that's what he wanted to do, and that's what happened. So I was the first to go because was, that was the easiest one. I was the nicest guy. They tricked me. They had me sign some contracts with my lawyer there at the office, and I was completely sick at the time. Um... And they had me sign all the colored paper clips, and I had no idea. I was signing my rights away, the rights to the name, my royalties. They wanted to basically give me $2,000, throw me in the street. Wow. And That's thank God my mom you know, realized what, went, what happened, and she got a lawyer for me. And thank God everything got taken care of. But, you know, like we said before, it is what it is. It is. I have no more resentment. If I had resentment, resentment... It's like rocket fuel and a match. You light that match, it's going to get messy and really ugly. 
I mean, just the rocket fuel comment sounds, I mean, I get it, but it just sounds like something he's heard before and he needs to keep telling himself. And you know what? I yeah. respect that because there's a lot of things that I have to do daily. You know, you thought I would be taken aback by your 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 mental health day. We all need one. No, I didn't at all. I, I actually I know that you could relate. You know. So. Oh well, well, because well, I'm I'm open about it, yeah. and that's that's kind of why I personally do it because I know everybody goes through it, and that's why I appreciate Stephen. But for someone like myself, and certainly have a, had a much different life than Stephen Adler, uh, there's just certain things you need to get over to move on to help your sobriety or accept. You may not forgive or or you certainly don't forget or vice versa, whatever works for you. This has been going on for so long. And it, this just sounds like a clip that we could have played, I don't know, five years ago, 10 years ago. It's the same thing. And he's all over, all over the place. Why do you take the name? Why do you add a piano? And we'll play more clips throughout uh, that he was just happy to be there. And we were talking on past episodes, why is Steven saying nothing? Like, he was so vocal. That's the Steven Adler yeah. I know. And, it, and So why all of a sudden? So I'm, that's the first question I want to ask. Well, I'm going to get his background. I want to ask Mitch, was he expecting this? And I also got to hear how Mitch got this because yes. no one got the interview with Adler. That's right. It's huge. If we tried to reach out to him, I highly doubt anything would have happened. Um, I wanna, can I go back to something you said before? Yeah, because I, of course. We're going to talk about all this with Mitch. But yeah, Linkin Park, uh, you were mentioning the new I haven't heard the new stuff. I but, just heard the new song, and they said the rest of the album sounds like it. It just sounds like a top 40 song. It's weird. The, the only Linkin Park album I own is the first one. And I remember I loved that album when it came out. And I still Hybrid listen. Theory. Yeah, and I still listen to some of the stuff from after that. Yeah, I loved, no, I'm a fan. I loved Fort Minor, Mike Shinoda's uh, okay, side group. They were great. Um, but anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm just curious as to hear what it sounds like now. And, and maybe also Chester doing stuff with Stone Temple Pilots may have hindered his work with Lincoln Park. Who knows? But yeah, you are right that there's just there's it, we, we always go back to this theme. But like there's no band that compares to Guns N' Roses. That's why we did this podcast. Yeah. Other than just being you know nerdy freaks about. The, exactly. Nerdy. And I will say. I, I totally disagree with Adler on the whole idea of Axel being the piano man because the fact of the matter is, and we've talked about this on the podcast, if Axel didn't step up and get on the piano and write songs like November Rain, songs like Estranged, I think they would have just been another great 80s rock group. That's what transcended them and made them just, to, to me, arguably the best rock band of all time, one of the greatest rock bands of all time at the very least. You know what's a good barometer when when you're thinking about when you're thinking about Guns and Roses like we typically do here, uh, and I I will apologize to MTV Classic. I'll apologize to a channel because uh, I, I know I've mentioned it before. I was a huge fan of VH1 Classic because they played a lot of old uh, you know rock videos and they they still play the actually the Guns and Roses O2 Arena show, which is so weird to watch now because nobody's there except for Frank and uh, and Richard. The rest of the band is gone. Um, that they they have these awesome rock blocks and, and metal and they're they're not just doing the hits they're they're, they're I, like I was watching um it was like Metal Nation and they had Britney Fox and as soon as like you know it could sound like a riff maybe the Slash might do or not one of like the most iconic ones but then as soon as they start singing it's just like every other '80s band I've ever seen you know I'm watching you know like I said Britney Fox I'm, I'm watching Danger Danger videos and I'm I'm enjoying <laughs> it but I'm not gonna wanna 
do a podcast about no, t- t- no. TNT or whatever. Oh, there's such a funny podcast regarding Danger Danger. It's funny that you mentioned that. There's a them. Danger Danger no, podcast? No, 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 no. Oh, what God. there is actually is... Uh, What's his name from Train, the lead singer of Train? Uh, Pat Monahan. Yeah. He was here like like for like a whole week at iHeart, like so, doing doing stuff. Yeah, Weird. he hasn't done his podcast in a while, I believe. I heard it's good. It is good. Um I'm trying to think of what it's called. Do you remember off the top of your head? I'll, just because I feel like I have to plug Probably it something now. stupid like the Patcast or something. I think it is Patcast. <laughs> I think that's exactly what it is. Were you just saying that as a joke? I think so. <laughs> Wait, let me see. Uh, I'm pretty good, brilliant. Um, uh, t- wait, hold up. I, g- I just got to tell you where I'm going with this. No, you could this. do it. I'll stall them. Um, this is... I think this is, yeah, yeah it's PatCast. Oh, wow. You're correct. All right. Were you, was that in your memory or it just... I, it might be, might have been one of those things, I heard it for a while, I heard it once and I forgot it, and now I think it's my idea. So <laughs> it he interviewed one of, those... one of the members of Danger Danger, and oh, I yeah? listened to this podcast, and he said to him, he's like, the name of your band was Danger Danger. Your first single was Bang Bang. Your second single was Naughty Naughty. Right. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, and it really was like, what was with this double word I know. thing? I know. And that's, that's a strange thing. That, and that's not even a joke. That's really what went down. Well, I believe it. Yeah. I, don't, I believe everything. And just watching those videos, like all those bands. And, you know, and I think Next just came on another video for Guns N' Roses. And it's just an, another level. Yeah. And I think what the other level is is the level that you and I are going through personally and separately. And that's depression and all these things. Everyone that's going through these things. But it's very sincere through Guns N' Roses. If you're going to listen to like a White Lion when they're, they're ballads, they're good tunes. But I don't, I don't feel that. I don't feel that. And I think that's why Guns N' Roses still stands. I keep forgetting to mention, there are, I think there are currently three Guns N' Roses songs in commercials right now. Wow, I didn't know that. The most recent one was a piano ballad of Sweet Child. And I want to say it was for either a movie or a video. I think a video game. Yeah, or I think a video I've game. Seen that. Yeah, because I mean, Welcome to the Jungle too, right? I've seen or... Welcome. Uh, that might even be for Taco Bell again. That was uh, a while back. I, right? I know, yeah, but they might have brought it back. And then uh, I think Paradise City was in another one. Might have been for I think for a new movie. So you you don't hear. I mean, these yes, those are their iconic songs. Like we talk about Kiss, they have only like they have a handful of iconic songs. But if you go deeper, that's where for me. You'll lose Kiss. It's all the same. It's you all know the what, same. You know what's interesting? You go in deeper, Guns N' Roses is still there, and that's where Adler, it may not be for him, but he, it's got to stop. This conversation is 30 years old at this point. The, isn't it the anniversary appetite yeah. this year? Stop it already. You know what's Sorry, uh, I'm getting angry No, it's Mitch, cool. You know what's- uh, Who just messaged me saying, grabbing a coffee and heading up to await your call. So awesome. I'll talk to him soon. Um, all right. So you know what's interesting is- um, the same thing that you were saying before about th- how iconic these songs are. Sometimes we talk about how rock and roll, is it dead, is it not dead, that type of thing. Something like Welcome to the Jungle, you, I, I've seen this type of thing happen before. You could be at an EDM show or there could be a DJ spinning hip hop yeah. and he'll do some remix of it Welcome to the Jungle. The same way the DJ AM would do all these mashups and stuff. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows Welcome to the Jungle, and everybody can get into it. If you, uh, and I'm a huge Motley Crue fan, as you know, but if you put on Dr. Feelgood, it might sound kind of dated to people. And these GNR songs, even though they're known as like classic 80s songs, they're, they just don't, they don't come off as dated. Yeah, and, but I think in a little bit you're making Adler's argument because you're talking about Welcome, you're talking about the Appetite songs. Which sure, is, well, I just mean at a party, you're not going to put on November Rain. <laughs> but, uh, of course not. But, you know, you might put it on right, on right Next Door to Hell, you yeah. know, things like that, of course. Um, but 
I know you weren't specifically making Adler's argument, but that's what people have had talk spoke about. Same thing with Metallica. You know, you want to go back to the, the the Master Puppets days. Then they sold out when they did the Black Album. They made a video for one. Then they sold out when they did Lulu. A million things. But they have their core sound, and they've grown up being this iconic band who's tried different things. Would they, if they didn't try different things, would they be a band like Overkill? Is that a bad thing? I don't think so. That's a bad thing. But most people don't know, unless you're a metal fan, who Overkill is. Yeah. You know, uh, or they might be a uh, Megadeth. I wish I love Megadeth, but Metallica, just like Guns N' Roses, you put on Enter Sandman at a party. I can't believe you know people know that song. Maybe because of Mariano Rivera, but that's just my Yankee bias. So I think we should get uh, Mitch on. Who uh, I'm wondering if he's a Toronto Blue Jays fan. Joining us for the first time is the man who got to speak to Steven Adler. The only person. I mean, he hasn't done interviews on Eddie Trunk, any of that. Well, he did after. Mitch was the first. Mitch was the first. So Mitch LaFon, at Mitch LaFon on Twitter. Uh, you guys probably know him if you're a podcast guy like I am from One on One with Mitch LaFon. It is awesome to have you on with us, sir. It is It is great to be here. And uh, I do have some podcasting news. The, the One on One is slowly going to go away and be replaced by a network show that's coming up in May. So. Hmm. That's the exciting stuff. Okay, cool. Looking out for that. Yeah, when I hear going away, I'm like, that sucks, but this sounds like it'll be with something bigger and better. Bigger and better. Yeah. Great. So uh, it'll it'll take the fan base and hopefully multiply it by 10. Oh, okay. That's I like that. Up. Or an exponent. That probably will get yeah. you more. And well, how will uh, <laughs> That was a, a math joke. That's how cool right. I am. Uh, so you're calling from the Great White North. You said you're uh, off the air coming from Montreal, right? Right now? Yeah, well, I'm actually in the suburb of, of Montreal. There's a, a little place where we're 700 people and we live in a forest. If you Google map us, you can't actually see the houses. You see forests. But uh, we hmm. say Montreal because it's a lot simpler than trying to explain we're 40 kilometers to the west and blah, blah, blah. Okay. Montreal. Actually, the only strip club I ever went to was in Montreal. The only uh, well, one. those are the only ones to go to. As, <laughs> That's uh, what I hear. And oddly oh, enough... Oh, yeah? I was just going to say, Nikki Six once said about Montreal uh, strip clubs, it's like ordering a pepperoni pizza. You can get whatever you want. So. <laughs> I like that. And uh, also, weirdly enough, the only casino I've ever been to was in Quebec. I don't understand that part of it. But um, I want to add— We like gambling. We like gambling and chicks. I guess, but I didn't understand everything. Everything was in French. I just kind of just stood by and enjoyed the atmosphere. That was my pointless, uh, my Canadian ties story. Uh, but I want to get into, I guess, your, your, your background, because you, with the one-on-one and now with this new venture, you have quite um, a, a bio. So I, I want to know, how did, you get, did, how did you get into this? Are you, I'm assuming you're obviously from Canada, because I can hear your lovely accent. Right. Well, listen, I, I'm sort of an accidental tourist in the whole thing. When I was 11 years old, back in 1980, I got to interview Gene Simmons, of KISS for the Unmasked album, and you can actually find it on YouTube if you type in Mitch LaFon, Gene Simmons, and, you know, somewhere around 95, 96, I was given an assignment in university where we had to learn how to use email, right, because back then, email was a university course, and uh, Metal Edge used to print Rockstar emails. So I figured, well, if I'm going to do this, I might as well make it fun. And I reached out to all the rock stars, made a lot of friends that way, including, you know, I reached out to Tom Hamilton of Aerosmith and Tommy Lee of Motley Crue. And eventually, um, this magazine in Canada called Brave Words 
uh, started up, and they were doing rock news and metal news. And because I was communicating with these rock stars through email, they would say, hey, we've got a new tour coming up and a new album coming up. And I would send the news over to Brave Words. And uh, the owner there said, you're, you're not only right, you're 100% right on everything. How do you do it? And I said, well, you know, hey, luck. And uh, he said, well, you want to consider writing for us? And basically that was it. I mean, there was, there was, there's no, you know, there's no I went to, uh, whatchamacallit, journalism school or, or I slugged it out in the bars. or There's just none of that. It was just all sort of serendipitous. And very, here I am. Very DIY. Here. Very do-it-yourself. I like that. And especially... Yeah, well... Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Well, I, I'm just going to say, I, I have a firm belief that you have to go out and get stuff. You've got to bust your chops. When you sit around and say, oh, poor me, I didn't get this, and I didn't, yeah. you know, suck, suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's exactly right. That's actually why I got into podcasting. Uh, you know, for a while, there was nothing really going on with me uh, in terms of on-air stuff, just being a behind-the-scenes guy in radio. And I realized with how big podcasting is, you can, you can do it yourself. You can make things happen. You could book the right guests. And it's led to greater things. And I think that's the right attitude to have. And in today's well, world, I'm thinking, because uh, on a previous episode, we spoke to Stevie Rochelle about the infancy of the Internet. And it's so funny. You're talking to these celebrities through email. And now it's such a quick access with Twitter. It's, it's, just, it's, it's fascinating. And that's why, you know... Um, with you and, and all the connections that you have, it's like they are your own buddies. They're on your own buddy list now, and you've been building these relationships with AOL email. You've got mail. Yeah, I know. The great AOL email. But no, you know, a lot of them have become friends. A lot of the guys that I reached out to back in 94, 95, you know, I still talk to 20, 25 years later. Stephen Pierce here of Rat being a great example. You know, Stephen and I, we speak probably once a week. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of it has nothing to do with, with music. Uh, I was just talking to Alan Niven about half an hour ago, and it was about the Rangers and the Habs game last night. Well, that has nothing to do with music. I'm clapping because you beat uh, the Rangers, and I'm currently wearing my Gordon Fisherman Islander sweatshirt. <laughs> that <is laughs> yeah, and not only did we beat the Rangers, we, we embarrassed them with so, power. <laughs> so thank you for that. I appreciate yeah. that. And also, uh, I've talked about this on the, um, uh, on the podcast before. I saw Guns N' Roses in Ottawa. So it's a, it's a beautiful country because you needed me to say that, Mitch. Beautiful country. And I'm hoping to see them in Ottawa this year, so i got to be careful. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. You, I understand that. And I, how do you become – because obviously I want to become friends with all these people. I want to – you know, go white water rafting with uh, Axl Rose. Not to say that you've done that, but that's that's what I'm envisioning. Um, I'm assuming it's because you're nice and Canadian. But how did it? How you've kept these relationships, and now we get into the Stephen Adler interview. You were the first one to get it. How did that come about? Well, you know, it's it's an it's really not that complicated. I was sitting at home as I posted on. Uh, Twitter, that I was watching Judge Judy at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and I got a text, and it says, we're doing this now, and I wrote back and said, doing what now? And then I got back, we're doing an interview now, and I was like, oh, okay, we'll do an interview with Stephen Adler right now, sure, why not? So it wasn't even and scheduled, he just reached out to you? He just reached out, it was a, mm. a dead drop email, or, or sorry, text, and it just came out of the blue, and it was like, we're doing this now, and I was like, oh, okay. I can handle that. And, uh, yeah, so I had no prep, no notes. The conversation you hear 
is basically me picking up the phone saying, all right, what do you want to talk about? Oh, okay. And um, if you listen to it at the beginning, I was, I was staying away from the gun stuff because I, I didn't want to sound like the eager fan. Yes, the, okay. You know, and I also didn't know if I had any parameters because I know in the past with different artists, not just Stephen, but different artists, they give you parameters, try not to talk about this, 100%. don't talk about this, mm-hmm. this. And then he started going with the gun stuff, and I'm like, okay, let's let's do this. You know, if we're going to do this, let's do this. And uh, it, I think it turned out great, quite frankly. I think it was a very, very honest um, conversation because it wasn't really an interview when you think about it. It, was, it really was two guys just talking about what's going on in life. And uh, that, that's why I think it sort of comes off as, as authentic and, and appreciated by fans because you hear Stephen being Stephen, not Stephen in interview mode, not, you know, no publicist got to anybody, no record company was saying, you can't say this and you can't ask that. And I get that all the time. You must get that too, where they'll send you like, don't ask these questions. Oh, yeah. Questions. That's... Like, oh, Jesus, why? Yeah, no, that's <laughs> part of my uh, my job at iHeart. We have, as I mentioned uh, before, Deanna Adler came to the studio and she, we're, our job is to schedule interviews for her throughout the country, different radio stations, different states, sometimes, of course, in Canada. And it will say, will not talk about. So a lot of artists, I think one time... Sometimes it's just the publicist and the artist doesn't yes, necessarily care. but there are people who will hang up. There was This was a few years ago that uh, if you mentioned Pamela Anderson's name to Tommy Lee, he would hang up on you immediately. Like, you couldn't even bring it up. So that, that right, so I guess that was... You answered my question before I, I got to ask it was, did that surprise you? Because you would just think he would talk about his mom's book, and then he's talking about his own book, which has been out for several years, and then it just came out. You must have been like, whoa, all right, here we go. And, and crack well, your, crack you your what, knuckles, it, here we go. Well, it made me very nervous because I was thinking, okay, now what? If I put this out, it'll get a lot of press, and you know, Mitch gets to be a star for 15 minutes, but it might you know, offend somebody in the GNR camp. It might offend... Uh, you know, am I betraying Stephen's trust? You know, all these things started going through my mind. So I did, I did seek advice with people. I like, do you think I should put this out? And people were like, yeah, I think you should. And I remember getting a text from his brother, Jamie, right after. And I saw the number appear and I went, oh God, okay, here we go. You know, the, why did you do it? And he was like, oh, way to go, man. It's all over the place. Good job. And I was like, oh, <laughs> thank God. Because I was nervous. I thought, uh oh, here comes the crap. Here comes the, you shouldn't have done that, buddy boy. And it wasn't that. So I was like, oh, thank God. And then, you know, I started seeing it translated in all these different languages. It was in Finnish and Greek and German and French. And I was like, Okay, good choice. Well, done. <laughs> well, and and one of the things is you gave that intro saying, don't be one of these journalists who takes this all out of context. Yes. Don't be that sleazy type of, uh, you know, clickbait. And I think that that was a good way to set it up. It was very Liam Neeson. It's like, if you take my podcast and use it for evil, I will find you. I will kill you. A very particular set of skills. No, but you know what? There, there's, there's a couple of bands out there. Kiss and Guns N' Roses, and maybe some other ones, Metallica, where the guys will say something, and and I'm not going to start naming sites, but there's different sites that will turn it into something, and you go, oh my God, I can't believe Gene Simmons. And then you read it, or you hear it for yourself, and you go, well, wait a minute, that's not what he said. That's like social not media in general now. That's why, you know, well, yeah, that's our, but, that's uh, our political have, system here in America. Well, I wanted to disclaimer it for two reasons. A, to sort of say, you know, come on, guys, please, let's, let, let's just enjoy it for what it is. And mm-hmm. also, 
to be, let's be honest, to cover my ass, if somebody comes back and said, you did an interview and you said this, I go, no, 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 listen up. And I put a disclaimer saying, please don't do that. So it was a bit of both. And uh, you know what, except for one site, um, I think everybody else sort of played along and, mm. and went along. Is it, the other side. Nice. Is it Alternative Nation? <clears throat> <laughs> we, uh, we, you're not the only one. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, this is interesting that we're you're part of the the inner gun gun circle. You know, uh, Art Devana knows a friend uh, from LA Weekly knows some people. John Miller, uh, the who does um, the filmmaker, knows some people, and you all say the same thing about Alternative Nation. It's just interesting. Well, he, hey, he didn't say anything. To be fair, I mean, I I don't I don't know the people who run it. It's just with a smoke, this fire. Usually, just, just saying. Yeah, and you know, that interview was very, very easy to decontextualize. It, the, he said a lot of stuff that if you throw into some other context, it could have been, you know, earth-shattering about how horrible this member is or that member is. Or, and it's just like, oh, come on, don't do that. But, but you know what? I have to say, uh, Brave Words, Blabbermouth, Metal Hammer, uh, Ultimate Classic Rock, all these people, Loudwire, all these people that ran it, they actually ran a very kind, smooth operation. And, and and just made it to be a nice interview with Steven. So, you know, I, I think we're going to have to thank all of them for that. And, and all the other sites that, you know, the foreign language sites that I can't remember who, who <laughs> ran it. But, but yeah, no, it, it turned out nice. And it's a good conversation. It is a good conversation. And I understand what you're saying because uh, I actually responded to uh, Alternative Nation on, uh, on our Twitter at the AFD show. And it said, shocking interview. And I said, stop with the clickbait. And they, got, they responded back like, well, we think this is pretty shocking. And I'm like, you know what? Let me not read the text of it. Let me listen to the whole thing. Cause that's like, you know, I'm not going to find the the clips that they're talking about. I want to listen from the beginning of your podcast to the end of it. Which is the way it should be. The done. way it should be, of, of course. Right. But not everyone, I guess, has the time or whatever bullshit reason that they have. So I did that. And what I found, what people could have easily done is take those bad parts and ran with it. Because there are a lot of things that you could take out, but I think the problem was, and like you said, it's a conversation, Stephen just kind of ran. And when he ran, it seemed like he was talking out of both sides of his mouth a little bit. Not on purpose, but when he's talking about how he's, uh, this is closure for him. But uh, the, the clip that well, we played before we had you on saying that he's, it seems like he's still upset about adding a piano or just how, just the reunion wasn't what he thought it would be. He wants Izzy to be back. So it just seems like, but then he's like, oh, no, I love all those guys. I want to play this one clip for you, and then we can jump off that. This is what I found was interesting uh, when he's talking about Frank. And what we've discussed in the show before the interview was like, why can't Steven come out for more than two songs? He does Appetite, then Frank could do uh, Chinese, and apparently that was the case. But this is – I found this uh, interesting as, as far as regarding uh, Frank. He's not playing him right. He's just really a great timekeeper. I mean, put it this way, they're playing Brownstone. I didn't know they were playing Brownstone until all of a sudden they started singing the chorus. We've been dancing. I'm going, that was Brownstone? Brownstone, you know, instantly. I came up with a kick-ass group. You know that. And I, I'm standing going, what song is this? I mean, I, I get from what he's saying, but why is he saying that now? And he's he's glowing about Frank the entire interview. He did jokingly say that it hurt him watching uh, him play his songs on the side of the stage, and he was fantasizing about throwing Frank down a flight of stairs. <laughs> but he's like, no, I can't. He's such a nice guy. But he, you could, would you agree that he's he's still very hurt and angry, and he's th there's not closure here. Uh, I would agree, but 
You know, I sort of get it, though. When you create something and you're part of something big and you feel that you are physically and mentally able to do it and you're not allowed to, I can understand that being frustrating. You know, I, uh, I had heart surgery a couple of years ago, and just going to the bathroom was this major machination, and it becomes so frustrating because you figure, I should be able to get up and go, right? And I can see that, in, you know, the analogy being the same with Steve. It's like, I can play these drum fills. I can do this, and, mm-hmm. and they're not letting him. And so, you know, when, when you're frustrated, you, you express it sometimes with anger. And so I, I totally get it. And, um, but, you know, I also totally get what Guns is doing. Uh, because with with tour insurance, with all kinds of money on the line, you can't book three years' worth of shows and have it underwritten by an insurance company, and then your drummer can't go on the tour. And there's a possibility that that could have happened with Steven. It might not have, and you, but you can't. Mm-hmm. And you, you brought can't. that up to him, and this is actually his response. I'm glad you brought that up, and this is what made it really interesting for me. They just didn't give me an opportunity. You know, it's it's cheaper to just have Frank. I mean, they were only paying me uh, not that much. It was really, I was doing it because, thank God, I don't need the money that bad. I was doing it because I want to play with them, and I want to play for the fans. So I get, with your insurance question, I'm like, that's a great question, Mitch. That makes complete sense. This is a music business. We keep discussing this every episode. It's a business. That's why Steven has this role. That's why Izzy's not in it, and comparing it to other bands. Um, but he says yeah, it's not. but it is tour insurance. I mean, think about it. And I'm just going to use very nominal amounts just for illustration purposes. Mm-hmm. But let's say with Frank, the insurance charges them a dollar a show. And you go, oh, it's a buck, whatever. But with Stephen, because he may or may not show up, he may or may not be able to complete it. He may, all of a sudden, the insurance company goes, well, it's 100 bucks a show. Now, when you actually multiply that to the hundreds of thousands of dollars that it actually costs, yeah, that makes a significant difference. It's not just salary. It's that whole cost. And, you know, why would somebody want to risk um, spending an extra million or two when you don't have to? And those are significant co- Insurance are significant. There's a lot of tours that do not get booked because the artist, for whatever reason, can't get insurance. They just had a heart attack. They just came out of rehab. They just, and they go, well, we're going on tour. Oh, there's no tour. Well, guess why? <laughs> the insurance companies go, yeah, we're not going to underwrite this. And you can't, you can't go on the road without an insurance company underwriting it. You make sense. I'm just wondering why he was so adamant that that wasn't the case. And I guess that's what I was hoping where it seems like, again, you're a lot more inside than we are. But just as outsiders, they all seem to – they're all 50, grown up, mature. That's why maybe this is the time for the reunion. And maybe, of course, with, with Stephen and everything that he's been through. But that – he could have said, hey, maybe that was it. Uh, but this is another clip that uh, I want to uh, play that he's talking about. I guess more about that he really wasn't that injured. But I'm with you, Mitch, so there must be more to it. But here's uh, Stephen talking about that Troubadour show that he was supposed to uh, play at. I was ready when they did the Troubadour show. And Dove called me up. and Or I, I Dove called me and said, dude, you're not going to play with us anymore. You're not going to do these shows. And I was like, you're the worst fucking person in the world. And I hung up on him. And I said that. I called, I texted, called him back and left a message saying, I'm so sorry I said that. When I said that he was the worst person in the world, I didn't mean he was because I was thinking I was the worst person in the world. That I couldn't even fucking get back 
with my fucking guys after they gave me this opportunity. But I said it to him, and when 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 you have you know when you're you have resentments, you say things that you know that you're feeling. And I was feeling that about me, and I said it about him, and I couldn't apologize to him enough because he knows I love him more than anything. I guess that's just confusing to me. Uh, right. Well, I want to say two things about that clip mm-hmm. first. That is where the uh, disclaimer to the podcast came from, because I said to myself, if one mother mm, pulls out, I hate Duff, I'm like, oh, here we, <laughs> right? here we go. So that was that. But I'll tell you what, that Troubadour show is interesting, because that's where we know that Axel broke his foot, hurt his foot. Mm-hmm. And this goes into me, and, I'm, and this is a complete educated guess, but that is why the chair... And those shows went on with Axel injured because just imagine the Troubadour show. The insurance companies are going, oh, this is a band that's canceled before and they've come on late and there's been riots in Vancouver yeah. and Philadelphia and yada yada. And then before the, sh- the, the, the shows get even started, oh, Broken Foot can't do it. D- do you think that any promoter or insurance company would have booked the band ever again? And the answer to me, educated guess, uh, you know, I'm not inside there, but the educated guess is no, which is why the chair was born and why those shows went on with Axel with a broken foot, because if they didn't happen, nothing would have happened afterwards. The whole thing would have been shot down because people would have said, we're not risking it. We're just not going to risk it. Yeah. And this is also like a more grown Axel Rose who, who just doesn't pull that type of crap. Uh, absolutely. You know, a lot of people have been, are still bagging on Axel. I have to say... He has been the most consistent performer in the last two years. He's with ACDC as well. Um, every show that they do is two and a half, three hours. You know, you're looking at 25 songs. I mean, who's doing that? Kiss is giving you 15 songs. Bon Jovi's giving you 15. I mean, who's giving you, you know, Bruce, from nine maybe other Bruce. <laughs> yeah, Bruce. But he's not singing it. It's usually like, you know, a 30-minute uh, breakdown by the E Street Band. Yeah, Absolutely. And even when people were bagging on Axel, you know, with uh, Bumblefoot and DJ, yes, he was coming on at 10.30, but I saw them in Hartford one time. They showed up at 10.30. We got out of there at a quarter to four in the morning. Now, okay, yeah, we had other things to do in the morning, but he still, he still gave you a four-hour show. I mean, nobody's doing that. So, yeah, Axel, you know, I give nothing but props to Axel. He, he delivers. Uh, he sounds great vocally. He's gotten himself into shape. Um, you know, it's good for him. My my worry now is, do you think Steven Adler shot himself in the foot doing this interview with you? Because we, we're all looking forward to seeing more appearances by Steven. And there's definitely a reason why he was silent for so long. Everybody thought he was going to say something as the reunion was happening. Is he involved? Is he not involved? And then he does this interview with you at this point, which is really late in the game. And it's it's extremely candid, as we said. Yeah. Well, here's my thought on that. Um, I had spoken to his brother before about maybe trying to get him on the show and doing stuff. You know, when Cincinnati happened, when South America happened, it was like, no, no, no. It's best that he not talk to anybody because, because... And again, this is an educated guess, because I don't want to ascribe any motives to Stephen, but I have a feeling that this was a way of saying, you know what, flying to South America to do one song, yeah, I, I can live without that. So I'm going to do these interviews and, and say my piece and sort of say, see you, folks. 
it's been nice, but if you want me, we're doing a whole set or we're not doing anything at all. I, 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 that's the sense I get. Now, of course, I'm not Stephen. If what I just said is wrong and Stephen corrects me, then what he says is the, to be considered the truth, obviously. But that's my feeling. That's what sort of a, a send-off, a, a shot across the bow saying, if we're going to fly me to you know, Des Moines, Iowa for one song, don't bother calling. Hmm, this might actually be um, the, the the point where he's talking about um, Axel, uh, what he said to him that first show, and might, maybe where he kind of changed his his mind. So this is the the last clip I'm, I'm going to play from you, your interview. Axel says, "What the fuck is he doing here? He's not supposed to be here till tomorrow." So I go, "Excuse me, I just flew fifteen thousand miles, so I made a few more songs, and they, I came up. He came up. I played one song." And they turned the lights out on me. I went back behind a drum riser, and I was like, what the fuck? And everybody in the crew came around and started hugging me and going, dude, we love you, Steve. It's okay. I, I mean, like the whole crew, there was like 20 people came and was hugging me. And then the next night, I did one more song again. And other parts, um, I don't even want to talk about we we all seem to have the, the agreement that Axel has changed, but then Adler gives you a little insight there that maybe he hasn't, or maybe he misread. I mean, because Axel seems to have a sense of humor and thinking, oh, Stephen's going to be here tomorrow. Then he sees him and goes, oh, what the fuck is that guy doing here? So it just sounds like that might have been a turning point where he's like, you know what, I, I rejoined you guys, uh, but thanks, but no thanks. If we're going to do it again, it's got to be me, Izzy, and, and that's it. Yeah, that, that's one of the. That's another one that would have been a good uh, clickbait kind of uh, clip, right? But you know that 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 one is is hard to interpret. He might have mistakenly shown up at a show the night before, or Axel maybe forgot that he was coming. So who knows, right? I, I don't. I don't want to lend any evil intentions to Axel that he was disappointed that Stephen was there or was in a what the heck is he doing here kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, because um, Stephen was yeah. there, because uh, if you, of course, you remember your own interview, but he was, uh, you know, saying that he went with his wife to visit uh, her family, well, so he was there right. early. So I mean, he was there, but it's just, it just seems odd. And what kind of upsets me, and I don't know if uh, Ian feels the same way or if you feel the same way, and I haven't felt this way uh, since Axel put out that long essay. Uh, kind of dismissing the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And it was just kind of like a punch in the gut, even though at the time, oh, Guns N' Roses is never going to reunite. There was always that hope. This is like, you know, we've been talking about the reunion. Is it the one that we all want? Do people, we, uh, we had Raven from Sirius XM on earlier on our last show, and she's like, I don't want to go unless Izzy is there. We discussed all different um, kind of methods to this reunion. But what I've said what Ian has said, because we haven't, we never saw the original band, is that we're happy with this. You know, that concert that uh, we both went to at Giant Stadium last year was one of the best that we've ever seen. It was a happy moment. We, we did not think this was going to happen. So for me right now, what Steven is doing is taking a little bit of that air out of the balloon. And somebody who loves the fans, you could feel the passion coming out of his mouth when he talks about the fans. It hurt me. It's like, I don't want to hear this. You know, I've heard yeah, enough bullshit about Guns N' Roses my entire life, and this is the time to enjoy the band, and now I can't—it's it's affecting me a little bit. Then again, I'm on medication, but it's, it's affecting right. me a little bit. Right. But you know what? Here's what I'll say about, about Izzy. Um, he left the band. He wasn't fired, so right. maybe he doesn't want to be there, and, you know— 
we're 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 all predicting that it's Axel who doesn't want Izzy there, but there is that possibility that Izzy just doesn't want to be there. And so, should the rest of them just not tour because one guy doesn't want to be there, whether it's for financial reasons or not? Uh, you know, Richard does a great, great job. You, you're you're going to tell me that Richard is not a great guitarist and not a great performer? I mean, that's just that's nonsense. Richard does a fantastic job, and look. You know, there are some bands like Aerosmith, you need Joe Perry and you need Steven Tyler. Well, here you need Slash and you need um, Axel. And quite frankly, to me, Duff is like the cherry on top. It's like a bonus. But if they had somebody else, if Tommy Stinson was there, I'd still go. I'm sure cause I'm sure it would still be great. Well, to be fair, in the case of Brando and I, we'll still go if it's just Axel and friends, as they say. We'll, uh, you know, I'm, I'm I there. thought it was my only time. I, I went to that. Uh, they, they canceled their O2 uh, tour after I saw them at Madison Square Garden. They canceled the rest of the tour. I'm like, this is the only time I'm going to see Axel Rose, probably. I don't care if he's with Buckethead or whatever it is. And then, of course, you flash forward years later, we got a little bit closer. But, uh, no, it's... It just took a little bit of wind out of the sails because I don't want to hear it. I want to enjoy this music. Of course, it's good for a good fodder for a podcast, which is, is which is nice. Yeah. But I guess okay. I, I, I want to tell you the couple of times Axel walked by me backstage, which is always funny. Um, there was one time in Quebec in 2008, and everybody was thinking, oh, God, the show's never going to happen. They're going to cancel them. And uh, as he walked off the bus and into the venue, the security guards were like, don't look at him. Don't look at him. We don't want him to go back on the bus and cancel. Don't look at him. So they oh made God. everybody basically stare at their feet. Now, Like he's a Medusa or something. Sure, yeah, I'm pretty sure Axel was like, what the hell are these people doing staring at their feet? But they were so nervous, the security and the venue operator uh, at the Colisée de Quebec in, in Quebec, that they made everybody stare at their feet and not say hi to Axel. And there was like, really? Anyway, and then he walked <laughs> oh by. Oh, my it. God. It, it was... It was just very, very surreal. And um, that other time I was talking about Hartford, uh, where they came on, you know, 11 o'clock at night. Uh, at that venue in Hartford, there's only one way to get backstage, and a supplier had parked, like, the Coke truck there, and Axel's bus was stuck on the other side, and so they had to find who parked the truck there. And so that's why the show was delayed by over 45 minutes, because mm-hmm. he couldn't actually get to the backstage door, um, which I thought was kind of funny. Those things happen. I mean, I, yeah. you don't know if it's for sure that one time he was late because he was watching Ninja Turtles too, do you? Because I want that to be true. Ian and I want that to be true. Well, that's probably true. Good. All right. I mean, that's a good movie. Why not? Yeah, all the good ones I you know. <laughs> um, you know, what you were just saying, though, about people looking at their feet, it reminded me of something we were just talking about earlier where they say, where the publicist a lot of the times will say, don't talk about this, don't talk about that. And sometimes it is just being so leery about what this artist is comfortable with and not comfortable with. Um, and I have an example of that over at Sirius XM. I, I got to board up uh, Dave Navarro for a show, and someone, I, I think it was one of the talent people at Sirius said to me, and probably was passed down from a publicist, please do, I was like, can I get a picture with Dave Navarro? And they were like, that's cool, please do not mention Red Hot Chili Peppers. And so I said to Dave Navarro, after he did the interview, I was like, huge fan, and you were actually the first concert I ever saw. And at that point, he asked me, oh, cool, which concert? 
at that point, I'm going to reveal it. I said, Red Hot Chili Peppers and Nassau Coliseum. And he goes, oh, awesome, dude. I remember that show. There was a snowstorm. He remembered everything that went on. And we took a picture. He actually looked at it. And he goes, we look pretty handsome. <laughs> and it all was well. So sometimes it really is the behind-the-scenes people being super cautious. And yeah. it's not the talent themselves. Yeah. Oh, that happens all the time. It happens all the time. Uh you know, I've uh, I've done interviews where I was told, don't ask about this and don't ask about that. And then, you know, the interview wraps up and the artist will look at me and say, how come you didn't ask me about that? It's, it's, it's like what I'm famous for. And you go, because well, I was told not to. And they go, really? Mm. <laughs> Why? Uh, there is one, you know, with, with Great White, uh, it's often mentioned to not ask about the station fire. And uh, that one I sort of understand. But I understand it more out of respect for the families who lost people in that fire than on the band side. You know, the band should answer every question out there, but I just don't think it's proper to leer and to, to, to peek. Um, just out of respect for those people. But so, so that's one that I will always, always respect. And I actually and, listened to your interview with um, Jack, Jack Russell. Russell. Great interview. Yeah, thank you. And, yeah, and, and you know, just out of respect for those hundred people that passed away, you can't get into, oh, tell me about this, tell me about that, can we talk... I mean, that's just, I don't know, it's crass, don't you think? It is. And, and there's um yeah. there's an angle you could always go at it uh, towards. Like we yeah. reached out, we, we mentioned before, we'll talk about it uh, again when we get uh, what Russ TCB from IGNR Forum uh, back on again. We reached out to, to Bumblefoot, and he, I've interviewed him a couple times, super nice guy. I mean, all of us Brooklyn Jews are just the greatest. <laughs> uh, that he just didn't want to talk about Guns N' Roses anymore. And, you know, of course, uh, he was for a very long time, even after he had left the band. But I get it from his perspective that maybe he wants to focus on Art of Anarchy and Scott Stapp right now, and he's tired of talking about guns. So, I mean, so, then Ian would say, like, get over it. You know, this is a big part of your history. So there's always, like, an angle or, like, you, Mitch, you have certain right. relationships with these artists that's why, you know, maybe Oprah can get a, a certain question out of a, a, a person that nobody else can. So, Mitch, you're, I guess, the Oprah of the, of the rock world, uh, maybe? The Oprah of the podcast world. But you know what? <laughs> I, I, would, I would suggest, and, and maybe Bumblefoot can talk to this at some point, but I'm pretty sure that when you leave Guns N' Roses, you sign a non-disclosure agreement. And so it's not that people don't want to talk about their time in the band. It's that legally they cannot. Well, DJ talks That's about it exactly all the time. exactly what I was going to say, yeah. yeah. He's always uh, like, well, listen, mm -hmm. different people have different agreements, right? Fair enough. That may, that is, that's fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so what do you, what do you foresee for the future? Because you did ask Stephen and, and Ian just asked if he shot himself from the foot. I know he did mention that he wants to, he wouldn't mind splitting time with Frank. Uh, he wants to do it with Izzy. What do you foresee happening? Not what Adler may want, but what do you think is going to happen? You know, I think that for this 2017 run of shows, I think we're done with the Izzy's and with the Stevens. I think it's just too much uh, trouble and, and takes away too much from the focus of the new band. But I think as we go into 2018 and beyond, at some point it's going to be like, okay, you know, we're, we're going to be ending this in a year or two. Let's, let's get those guys and let's do... You know, welcome to the jungle with the five guys plus Frank and Melissa. And the, I do think that at some point we're going to see it. I just don't think it's in the next 12 months. Even isn't this year the 30th anniversary, though, of Appetite? It is. And All right. I guess 
Not all yeah, things are fairy know, tales, I guess. Well, listen, I could be wrong, but I, if you've noticed, they really haven't marketed it. Or marketed? Is that good? <laughs> marketed it? No. But they really haven't used that angle. You know, Stephen brought it up, and different websites have brought it up, but right. the official camp really hasn't made any big deal about it. And, point. you know, these things are booked nine months ahead of time, a year ahead of time, and the publicist... And, if it's not part of the marketing plan now, I just don't see it being part of the marketing plan going forward in 2017. Fans are going to say, oh, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, and, and for Guns N' Roses, it's going to sell out no matter what, for the most part right. in most of these places. It's not like, you know, Motley Crue where sales may have been dwindling and they're like, all right, we're going to do Dr. Feelgood in its entirety. Right. And it's a boost for them because it's something special to people who grew up during There's that no era. There's no need to kick it up a notch. Yeah, for maybe. the people that Not would yet. go for an Appetite 30th anniversary, for the most part, those people are going anyway. Yeah, I can. Yes, of course. Okay, I can see that. What about, um? do you think we're going to hear any new music on the way? Did you? Have, what are your feelings on that? You know, I've heard a whole bunch of things. Um, the last I heard, and again, not official, but the last I heard is that we're going to get a greatest hits package with a couple of new songs. Cool. Let's hope that's true. I certainly would like it to be true. I mean, I don't mind listening to Welcome to the Jungle for the upteens time plus two new songs. I mean, why not? That'd be cool. I like I just that. Don't see them. Yeah, I just don't see them having the time or the inclination to make a new album. As, look, they're doing stadiums. Mm-hmm. A new album is not going to change them from stadiums to. I mean, what's after that? You know, the, the what do you call it in the Spinal Tap? The, the Mega Dome, the Enorma Dome. Right? <laughs> yeah. A new album is not going to get them in the Enorma Dome. And quite frankly, the people that are, that that paid three hundred bucks to see Guns want to see Sweet Child of Mine. They don't want to see whatever the new song is going to be called. I mean, so oh. why bother? Only nerds like us care. You know, I, I want, I still, and, wish, do, do we, we really, I mean, do we really care? Cause I know what's going to happen. They're going to put out a new song, you know, it's going to be called whatever, uh, sweet child of yours. And we're going to go, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's not as good as appetite. And, and Facebook's going to be like, no, you know, slash doesn't. The, the typical, okay, happen. I know what you mean. I know what this Trolls. reminds me of, by the way, um, th- this will be so inside, but Brando will get it. But, uh, do you listen to what used to be Opie and Anthony by any chance, Mitch? Um, I listened once. Oh, okay. It was, well, it never came up here. We we got it eventually on satellite radio um, on Sirius, and then, okay. and by the time Canada got it, they fired the other guy because he said <laughs> something stupid. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> so what the, what I was thinking of though, for people who are a fan of that show, was there was a time where Jim Norton was talking about what Van Halen coming back would sound like, and he made this like mock song called "Where Back." Maybe we could pull it, but it's it's it was really funny and just stupid, and uh, yeah, it is what you think of because even with Motley Crue, people are like, oh, when are we going to hear some new music? When's it going to come out? And I'm a huge fan of the Crue. Saints of Los Angeles comes out. The album is pretty much written by the members of Six A.M. and for the most part, I don't think people cared. I, name me one person that went to the Crue final tour and say. Oh, God, I hope they play Motherfucker of the Year. Oh, <laughs> I actually do like that song, though. There's, there's right, about three songs on the album I like, but yeah. Right. No, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> well, were you waiting with bated breath for that song? No, played? no. Of course not. And and listen, um, uh, She's a Woman from Van Halen. Everybody, oh, my God, why did they release that as a single? Oh, or no, I like that song. See, I like that song. I like no, that. Yeah. No, wait, that's not the one. It was tattoo? Was the first oh, tattoo. tattoo, yes. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, Tattoo. Sorry, Tattoo. Yeah, She's a Woman is the one I like. 
you know, Tattoo comes out as the first single. Did you hear one person on Facebook or anywhere go, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing since Jump? They all went, oh, <laughs> why did they release that? Right? And, and so why put yourself through that hassle? There's no point. You know, they're, they're going to sell out. They're going to they, – they just played Dubai. You know, do you think Dubai was waiting for a new Guns N' Roses album? No. No. No, I, I guess it's uh, like for for fans like uh, Ian and yeah. I and 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 you is this, you know, I yeah. look forward to I want to hear certain Chinese democracy songs live. It's 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 the I reality do. of it. I want to hear Chinese democracy the song live sounds great. It does. I want I want to hear there was a time I was watching videos of uh, when they they did prostitute live. I guess watched it was posted on my GNR forum. I had never seen the performance of Oh My God, and that's with a completely different band. And I really, really enjoyed that song. Of course, I can hear like like you, Welcome for the Millionth Time. I love it. But, you know, I wouldn't even mind hearing some of Slash's stuff with Miles. Like, they did some really awesome stuff, in my opinion. So, I, there's, to me, they're putting out still good music, but separately. So, I would love to see what 50-year-old Slash and Axel could do together. That's just me, again. But I, I, I know, I know your point. I things about this. I, first of all, those Chinese democracy songs live with Slash's guitar... Don't they all of a sudden really sound like Guns N' Roses? Like when you hear it yeah. on Chinese Democracy, you go, yeah, it's a good song. It's a... But when you hear them live, you go, oh, that tone, yeah. <laughs> right? Like it, like it changes the whole thing. And uh, listen, I would love to see Guns N' Roses do one in a million, but update the lyrics. Yeah, we so talked that about that. Not... Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's fine. Yeah, I think I, that, that's a great song, but you know. Smooth out the lyrics a bit. You know, you, there's no need to go up there and offend people just to offend people. Um, but what a great song. It's too bad, though. Too I, bad. I could actually relate, though, to you know the idea of why would they put out a new album? Why would they bother going through the criticism? Mitch will appreciate this. I When I heard Mitch was coming on and actually after that Adler interview, I went on a bit of a one-on-one uh, -on -one with Mitch LaFond Spree, listened to a bunch of interviews, and you got to interview Nikki Six. And at one point you said, yeah, why, you asked him, why are you still putting out this stuff with 6 a.m.? You know, that you have to go through this whole process now of booking a tour, and it's not like Motley Crue where there's this, um, there's this guaranteed audience that's going to come out. And Nikki Six's response, to paraphrase, was basically, I'm an artist, I'm a writer, and this is what we do. We create new things, and this is what my passion is. And you, you hope for artists that they do have that drive to create. Yeah, yeah, you do. You hope so. I mean, I personally would like to see Axel and Slash go back and take, like, the three, four best Chinese democracy songs and the three, four best Revolver songs and the three, four best Slash songs and make sort of a compilation of the lineup redo it sounds you know. like my ipod right now <laughs> what you're talking about i made it my own my own compilation right? yeah no that that's that sounds awesome Come on, axel doing slither wouldn't that be cool when that we we don't think it was photoshop when that uh photo of richard fortis um uh what was he in a recording studio and they had the set list there and on the uh, alternative songs not alternative facts but the alternative songs <laughs> they had slither so every time i'm out there and, and I'm looking at all the set lists, but now I uh, subscribe to Ian's thing. I don't look at the set list anymore because I, I learned the hard way. That's like ruining a movie. Like, I didn't enjoy the concert as much as I could have because I knew what was coming. But uh, that Slither was on there, and I would love to hear Axel do it or maybe Duff do it. Or it, it's just, I don't know, maybe somebody from, uh, I don't even know, Dave Kushner comes out and sings or something. Do something, do something yeah. special. 
It's... No, let, let Axel sing Slither. That would be great. Oh, no, of course. I'm just being silly. For some reason, I had the impression that if they were going to do that song, I could see Duff singing it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess it's, to, to me, that's just like the ultimate olive branch, too. I mean, the fact that Axel said it, so I, hopefully it's true, uh, that Duff and Slash came up to him about performing Chinese songs. So to me, that's a major olive branch. So if he did Velvet, that's just like everything is gravy. So that's why I was just so surprised. Um, and I guess Adler wanted to use you as uh, his medium, his, his voice, his muse, since he reached out to you. I mean, that's, that's so yeah. cool, just sitting there watching uh, Ju- Judge Judy. Judy. <laughs> <laughs> Lay down the law. No, but, yeah, no, that, that was cool. And, and I, get, I get those opportunities once in a while with, with different artists, um, you know, Bobby Blotzer of Rat seems to like to go through me for it to get his his messages out. But uh, we've talked uh, uh, before. Like you're finished. Like, we've talked about Bobby Blotzer before. Just real quick. Do you because he's still not giving up and Rat is together. I know Ian's excited. Do you do you have an opinion on that? Real quick, because we we have talked about Rat on this show. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, last week, uh, his lawyer phoned me and gave me a whole statement, half an hour long, and I posted on Twitter. <laughs> Bobby's lawyer makes statement, we'll release it, it soon. And as I was editing it together, I got a cease and desist and said, oh, don't you, don't you dare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. You do not want to be dragged into this thing. He goes, they said, if you release it, we will depose you. And I was like, all right, I don't need this hassle. It might have been good uh, for exposure. I don't know. Good press, bad press. Well, exposure-wise, it would have been fantastic. <laughs> it would have been in all the media. Everybody would have picked it up because there's a lot of juicy stuff in there. But, um, yeah. With a with a cease and desist, uh, yeah, I don't I don't need the I don't need the hassle, but uh, fair enough. Yeah. We're, we're, Ian and I are hoping to get a cease and desist from Guns N' Roses about our logo. No, we're we're not hoping to, <laughs> or maybe I'll you're find. expecting to. Maybe one of these days. I just wanted to be noticed. That's all. Uh, but we were talking about controversies, though. They might that they might not want to do it with new music, but this band. And I guess I want to get your opinion as a as a Canadian, because uh, we, we were joking, you know, before about my poor Canadian uh, uh, excursions and love of hockey. Uh, but they're very, very political now. Uh, they, they brought out that Donald Trump pinata in Mexico City. Duff is wearing Women's March t-shirts on stage. Uh, I'm constantly seeing tweets from Del James and Richard Fortas about uh, Donald Trump. Um, so they're asking for it. And I've, we've spoken about it on the, on, the, uh, on the air before, that when they posted that on the Guns N' Roses official, just like how you mentioned, all the, the trolls, like, oh, I'm not a fan of Guns N' Roses anymore because this is their political affiliation. People just making a mountain out of molehill, molehill I guess, from my perspective. Uh, do you like that in, in this band, that they're kind of being vocal politically? Because that seems no. to be, no? I, I, don't, I don't like that in any band, quite frankly. Fair but enough. That, that's the way I, I think most of us and most fans go to a show to sort of escape the daily grind and and to escape what we're, you know, the boss and the teachers and the this and that. And I also think just from a marketing point of view, you want to bring in as many people under the tent as, you know, Howard Stern talks about this. You want to bring as many people under the tent as possible. And it just doesn't make sense to alienate all your Republican fans or on John Bon Jovi's case, or it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, you know, just just shake your bonbon and, and sing. <laughs> that's, that's that's like the Paul Stanley philosophy. He's had many uh, rants on stage saying pretty much what you're saying. Well, and you know what? Uh, I mean, Paul can't sing anymore, but he's right about that. 
You know, we, we, we pay to see. We, we're paying, what, 300 bucks this summer to see Guns N' Roses? We, we want to see them sing You Could Be Mine. We don't want to hear, you know, we, don't, we want to hear the song Civil War, not about Civil War is about to start in the States, right? So, <laughs> yes, like, you're, you're looking down on us and be like, what's going on over there? Uh, no, yeah. I, I get it. I guess I just thought the, um, for me, I thought the uh, pinata was creative. Ian thought it was disrespectful. Um, and, and I get all angles, uh, all sides. But look at Roger Waters. Roger Waters has turned the Pink Floyd, the wall thing that he's doing this summer into an entire anti U.S. Bash. I yeah. mean, it's 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 don't you know don't love Israel, don't do this, don't uh, Donald Trump, and you're like, well, I'm Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't relate to you at all. And I guess can when you go think overboard, about the French or something, you know, can we? <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's overtly political with uh, Roger Waters. I saw Roger Waters with my dad at MSG, and I remember he had one of the pigs flying, and on the pig it said "Vote Democrat." So it was mm. like even in your face, just oh, like this is wearing this on my sleeve and uh i'm all for artists uh expressing themselves but yeah i i actually agree with you on uh on this one and there's other artists who echo that philosophy like paul stanley in particular i love that rant he went on about like if you think there's a rock and roll band who's gonna stop global warming like (laughs) you ever see that one mitch i love that yeah yeah that was that was in 2004 when poison opened up for them and he was like uh if you think uh, we're going to sing about uh, Greenpeace and stuff, you're in the wrong place. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're right. But, you know, there are some bands that that's their thing. Like, if you go to a U2 concert or even Madonna, you sort of expect it. And if you don't get it, you go, oh, they must have been off tonight. You know, oh. they weren't bitching about something. But when you go see Kiss and Guns N' Roses and Van Halen and Bond, that's not what you want. That's not what you're there for. So stop it. No, I get it. No, I, I get it. And I think that's what's turned me off a little bit to Ted Nugent. I could have gone to one of his recent shows recently for free, and I guess, no, he's just going to go on rants, and I'm turned off. Uh, that's why I want to go into this reunion as, as positively, uh, with mu- as much positivity as possible. By the way, you notice that Guns N' Roses never officially press-released it as a, gu- as a reunion. I mean, you, you are aware that they've never called it a reunion. In all the press communiques, they have said it's the return of Flash and Duck. That's all they've ever said. Yeah, it was all the, the, the people who pr- picked it up would call it a reunion, and right. that's not technically accurate. But I it's guess. never been marketed, which is the, with the key. That's never been the angle. They've never said, this is a reunion tour, buy a ticket. They've never said that. Well, Smartly. I guess the, yeah, that's, yeah and, and you know what? To me, that shows respect to, uh, to anybody else who wants to be involved, yeah, it's whether it's Steven. Uh, or even Matt Sorum. I mean, and it's, it just seems to show respect, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I interviewed Matt uh, about two months ago. He was uh, in fine shape as well. And he, correct me if I'm wrong then, that he was uh, asked, and I guess the price wasn't right? That's what I've heard, that he was asked to be a part of it. Or is that incorrect? From from my interview, I, I gather that that would be incorrect, but okay. of course, I could be wrong too. I, I don't think Matt was asked. I, I think there are some I I ex-members that. that have some issues with with either management or axel that just i don't think gilby and matt are ever going to be asked or are ever going to be considered i mean remember they both sued um yeah you know yeah and um and matt did admit uh this i do remember him saying uh for a fact that he believes he did shoot himself in the foot for the past few years with certain things that he said and um i forgot to, to edit the clip and it was also in your interview that and you could tell me if it's, if it's joking or not that um 
when Adler was talking about he doesn't mind sharing the stage with Frank, he just wouldn't do it with Matt. And he was like kind of laughing about that. Is there an issue between those two guys? Do you know? Or is that just like they have a silly thing between them? Listen, I gather that it's just some kind of silly thing between them because if you listen to the interview I did with Stephen, right away he goes, "Oh, Matt, I'm just." That's what I'm talking about. I just didn't know what if it was one of those like uh, he doth protest too much. If he was just kind of you know, there's some there's uh, a truth to every joke, I guess. Since um, you know him a little bit more personally, I want many truths are said in jest. No, I you know what I I think that that just comes from the fans over the last twenty years saying, "Oh, you know, you know, Matt replaced you and." And I think there's just this expectation that these guys hate each other. Okay. So it's not a Sammy and Dave thing? No, I don't think so. I think it's more like Peter, Chris, and Eric Carr, where everybody thought they hated <laughs> each other. And then you see all these pictures of them hanging around backstage. Okay. I, I think fans have just, who knows, though, right? But I yeah. think fans have created this mystique of hate. for it, It's always, there's always been something, um, and I, it, there, it usually is said in jest, because the other thing that I remember is that Steven was on Jamie Josta's podcast, and right. he started, uh, Jamie was asking him about Matt Sorum, and actually, I don't even think he was asking about Matt Sorum right away, he was talking about that at some point, but they started talking about how drums are programmed a lot on albums now, and it's not a live drummer. And at one point, uh, Steven said, you don't know if it's a, a machine or Matt Sorum. And he said, because that's the way Matt Sorum plays. He plays like a machine. And he was like, I might not get it right all the time. It might take me a few tries, whatever. He's like, but you know that there's real feeling behind there. There's like a real rhythm. And he's like, Matt kind of plays like a machine. And it was almost a compliment in that he was like, he was so precise, much more than me. But he doesn't have that swing that I have, as people refer to with Steven. Well, I'll tell you what, I speak to both former managers, Alan Niven and Doug Goldstein, and, and I'll leave it at, at that, but one of them said to me, you know what, one plays very in the pocket, very dry, very much like a machine, and he's great in the studio, and the other one swings, and I prefer swing, and that seems to be the criticism of Matt, that he's, uh, well, in fact, the manager went on to call him cement hands, hmm. uh, that there's just no feel to it. Um, Sounds like a Dick Tracy bad guy. Yeah, doesn't it? Does cement hands? Wow. <laughs> Spider Man, like Sandman, and cement hands. But there you go. Um, yeah, you know, I I, I do agree with uh, that. Stephen has a bit more feel. You, you know, you look at Eric Carr and Kiss. He pounded those drums like a madman. Oh yeah. But the early '70s stuff with with Peter Chris had sort of a jazz swing feel to it. And when you take a song like Deuce and you add on just precise drumming, you go, hmm. Lacking some taste here, you know, and same thing when when you hear Matt play "Welcome to the Jungle," it just sort of seems, or Mr. Brownstone, it just seems, it, it it just seems stale. And and I love Matt, by the way, I have no issues with him, but it just doesn't have that swing, that that vibe, I guess, right? Yeah, we discussed that with uh, Charlie Benanti. Uh, we had him uh, from Anthrax, of course, and, and kind of Charlie's talking. great. Yeah, no, he's super uh, great guy. And try his coffee. I, I, I don't know. I want him to, I want him to sponsor us. Um, I guess since you're, I, I want to know, because you said Gene Simmons was your very, very first interview? Correct. When uh, I was 11. Uh, that's that's so cool. My first interview was Bumblefoot, and I was 23, <laughs> so you're better than me. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I guess I want, uh, since you're a Gene expert, since you're 11, uh, what do you think about uh, his comments recently about uh, him and Paul Stanley, like they never Axl Rose anything? Like, what, what was the point? 
Fucking Gene Simmons. I hate him so much. I'm sorry. Right. Um, Do you know what the, the quote I'm talking about? Yeah, I know exactly the quote you're talking about. And, and I, I, as much as possible, try to ignore what Gene says these days because he, he's sort of become, you know, that we were talking about the political rants. His little quips right now are like political rants to me. They're just best ignored. But um, I just thought that that was very unfair to Axel. Uh, you know, what does Gene know? And, of course, we all know that Paul Stanley is still, you know, sore that Guns N' Roses didn't choose him as a producer back in the day. So there's this, ugh, gun sucks kind of thing. But let's, let's be honest. One band is playing stadiums this year, and another band is doing a casino tour that's being papered. So I think one is just trying to get some attention to help sagging sales. Shots fired! Shots fired! Shots fired. <laughs> no, I could, I completely agree with you. We've had a lot of uh, kiss talk on here because I know Ian's a uh, part of the kiss army, and me, I like a handful. I'm part of the kiss army too. Oh, fair enough. Let's be honest. They're they're playing they're playing casinos. It's the summer season, and they're playing casinos all year, and they're going to start taking shots at you know Metallica and Kiss that are doing stadium. Um, right. Metallica and Rose. I mean, you know, shut up. Shut up, Gene. <laughs> I like this guy. Not because he's Canadian and likes hockey and he hates the Rangers. It's because like we're on the same page. I, I completely agree. That's why I was so taken aback by the Stephen Adler interview at first because it it bothered me because I, I wanted to be able to listen to the Appetite songs and, not, and, and kind of know that there's still love there. And that was kind of that, – that hurt over the years. It sounds silly because I don't really know these people. But right. now I, I really enjoy the older material, knowing that Axel and Slash are okay again. But with Adler saying this stuff, it kind of ruins a little bit. So that's what Gene Simmons, for me, has done with Kiss. It's like, yeah, I still like a lot of their music, but it's like you said, Gene, shut the fuck up. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's ruined the Kiss name for me. I mean, I'll, I'll go see them in a show – yeah, you know, if they come to Montreal, I used to travel, you know, I, I saw them in L.A. six times. That's not going to happen anymore because it's just, it's it's too much. And, um, you know, they also have a very stale set list. There's a bunch of reasons why I, I sort of, I'm done with KISS, but uh, gotcha. not, 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 not Axel. I, I, you know, they're coming uh, near me twice this summer, Montreal and Ottawa. I'm going to go to both of those. And uh, quite frankly, if I could somehow afford to get on a bus and, tour across the states this summer i'd love to see them 10 times honestly that's awesome because dude. They, yeah because they they switch it up enough every night and you know every night they've been playing one or two songs in a different spot and even some of the musical interludes you know the the the, the stuff that they do to fill out the space while i actually go get the new jacket it's not the same every night it's, it's enough to keep it interesting let me ask you one more question before you go i wanted to get your opinion on axel dc I got to see them. At oh, that's Mad awesome. uh, I, I agree. I when I first read the the news, I was like, oh, "This is weird." I mean, I'm a fan of both bands, of course, but this just seems like a weird combo. Then I heard a a version of "Shoot the Thrill." I'm like, "This is great." Uh, through one of the stations I worked at, uh, I got to go see them almost right up against the stage. I guess I don't know how I got that great seats because even though we're in radio, we don't get great seats all the time. That's a myth, uh, and it was phenomenal. I, I like I was like I, I'm like a new ACDC fan. Now I hear ACDC in Axel's voice. It's so weird. Uh, but now, of course, it hasn't been confirmed. There are hard rumors that they're going to come out with new music, which is basically just going to be Axel and Angus, because no, um, uh, Cliff Williams retired, and their their former drummer is still. You know, he wanted to murder people and thinks he's allowed back in the band. Uh, so you're you're a fan of it, even new music, all of that fun stuff. 
Yeah, I'm a fan. I, I think ADC, ACDC is, is very pedestrian. I don't think it's, I mean, it's very sort of common rock, but Axel gives it an edge that's very, very exciting. And uh, it's enough that it's made me a fan. If there's a live album from the last tour and a new album with new music with Axel singing and a guest spot by Slash, I will buy it. If it's some other singer or they bring back Brian Johnson, I will go back to doing what I've always done with ACDC and casually ignore it. Makes sense, man. And, I, and you seem to get threatened a lot, though. I do. <laughs> well, you know, that I'll means you what, he's popular. He's doing, he's doing great interviews. <laughs> well, it's not just the interviews. It's just that I have these connections. You know, if you, if you go through my cell phone, it's just a lot of different rock star names. And I know a lot of stuff, and I know a lot of stuff that's going to happen in 2018. And, you know, I know how to shut up. But there are some. If you know what's good for you. If, yeah, if you know what's good for you. And there are two bands in particular, uh, you know, Guns and Kiss, where they really want to control the information, which, by the way, is their absolute right because True. they have a marketing plan and they have, a, a, you know, an art that they want. But they will go out of their way to tell you, if you know what's good for you, don't you F and say anything. <laughs> whereas, other ones, whereas other ones, if you say something, they'll just cut you out and they'll never talk to you again, which is also fair. But. Hmm. Uh, and it does I, suck, I, though, because at the end of the day, we're fans. It, I know. Like, you're, you're not doing anything to be malicious. It's because you love no. these guys. It, it's kind of like it sucks when you hear Eddie Trunk say that Kiss has completely cut him off. And, yeah. And Eddie's like, I'm a huge fan, huge fan of the Kiss Army. That's why partially why, why I got into this. And they just don't want to talk to him anymore. Well, I'll tell you what. Back in 2003, I did a Kiss tribute album for a... Um, palliative care home up here in Montreal. Bumblefoot came on and did uh, the, the song Detroit Rock City. I had a whole nice. bunch of artists come on. Um, I get a call from Doc McGee, and he says, are you going to any of the shows this summer? And I said, well, no, blah, blah, blah. But the closest one is in Verona, New York, about four hours away. And he says, perfect. You come on down. We'll get you backstage. You'll let, you will see the acoustic thing. Bring copies of the album. So I get down there. I meet Doc. I give him 10 copies of this. Uh, it's called A World with Heroes Kiss Tribute that has, you know, Bumblefoot and all. And, you know, great show, g g meets everybody, autographs, my kids are taken care of. And after that, I, I asked Eric Singer through email, I said, so what do you think of the album? And the answer I got back is, we're not allowed to talk about it. And that was it. That was the last time I had any con communication with the Kiss camp. They, they cut me off, and I, I couldn't understand why that had been so insulting to them. Um, People are very, weird. People are weird. Very, very bizarre. And, uh, you know, on, on a good hand, though, it, it raised $30,000 for a palliative care home. So oh, I can't of course. That's the important nice. thing. But, uh, yeah, I understood later on that they didn't want anybody in the KISS camp to mention it because they didn't want it to be used as advertising, like, hey, Paul Stanley, this album is great. Like, you know, which I can understand, but it's, Sort of silly because I never would have done that. They could have just said, "Hey, we like it," or "No, we don't like it." But eh. it was it was bizarre why they why people cut you out of camp sometimes. There well, we go. That was one. That was one of them. Yeah, I got it. Thank, thank you so much for coming on, man. I and I wanted to say I love the interview that you did. It was great to hear Stephen just go off, and a lot of the things he said really spoke to me too. I even wrote down the book he kept mentioning of uh, that's been helping him in, in, in his life because I always like to get inspiration from other guys and. To me, at least on some level, Steven sounded like he was a at a better place. Not to discredit the things you were saying, Brandon. No, I would uh, agree with that. A better place.
place, but there's still something there. Yeah, I I agree, but I think he's working it all out. And uh, when I met Stephen, one of the nicest guys, I'll always remember the day I got to uh, board op him and uh, get Appetite for Destruction signed. Couldn't have been nicer. And it was just it was an honor to have you on and to hear the interview that you did with Stephen. And for the listeners, you could of course follow Mitch on Twitter at Mitch Lafon, uh, on Instagram at Mitch underscore Lafon, and anything else you're promoting before we. Uh, let you go here well you know soon soon i will be joining the uh podcast one family nice. and uh yeah so the 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 whole uh, show is going to have a new name and stuff so just head over to twitter stay there because soon there will be all kinds of hints and posts and color changing and logos going up and uh, it, it'll be exciting it, it'll put me in that other level, and I'm very much looking forward to it. And that's, that's a pretty cool lineup of shows, right? Isn't isn't that also where Steve Austin and Chris Jericho and all them do their show? You got it, and Adam Carolla and Joe Rogan. Yes, yeah. It goes from Mitch Lafon being the independent podcast guy working crazy hours trying to get all kinds of guests and keep it interesting to suddenly like, aha. Um, who knows, right? Uh, I would love to be able to have my name mentioned with those guys in the same breath, you know, like, hey, uh, Podcast One is the home of Mitch LaFon and Chris Jericho and and Adam Carolla, and here are our three superstars, but we're not there yet, but I, I, I'm, that's what I'm dreaming of. You keep being the Oprah of the podcast <laughs> rock world. You'll, we'll, you'll get there. You and, gotta, then, you... and then put in a good word for Appetite for Distortion. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Have you come on as as guest on my show? That that'll be oh, fun. Any, oh, anytime, anytime, one hundred percent. And it, you yeah. should have made Adler cry, though. That's that was the mistake that you made. You got to make somebody cry. Well, I was hoping, I was hoping to, but you know, I've got to just say, I, I just, it, it's been such a pleasure in interviewing those guys. I've interviewed Slash. I've interviewed you know DJ and Richard and and Frank and and Matt. I mean, I've, I've, I haven't really missed anybody in the Guns camp other than Axel and. Um, you know, it's it's a great band. They're great guys. It's great music. It's a great legacy. It's given me thirty years of joy, and uh, you know, keep it going. Let's just keep it going. Awesome, Mitch. You are you are the man. I mean, as soon as I I was like, first I was jealous. I'll admit it. I was like, he got that interview. We were trying too hard, and I heard it. I'm like, oh, he's Canadian. I like all Canadians except for Max's girlfriend, who probably could listen to this episode, which is funny. Um, <laughs> well, they come to me because I'm Canadian because they figure that we're more diplomatic. So, it, it, it's a beautiful country, and I was actually love the fact that I've seen Guns N' Roses in in, in Canada. It's, I don't know. It's just I like that I've seen them in another country. I guess it wasn't Dubai or anything, but still, beautiful country. And just uh, keep doing what you do, man. We definitely aspire to be, you know, the yeah. duel. Well, come up to Montreal this summer and have a have a you know poke around Guns N' Roses on August nineteenth at Parc Jean Drapeau. You'll you'll quite enjoy that. Cool. And I'll be in New York, by the way, in April. So I'll, I'll come in and say hi to you somewhere. Let's oh, do it. absolutely. Very cool. Well, Mitch, it's you... uh you Yankees re- game to go to. You know, it's important. Well, you said Knicks game? I got a Yankees game to go to. Yankees oh. versus Baltimore. Oh, I'm a Yankees fan. Good for you. Wait, so shouldn't you be a Blue Jays fan, though? Or, uh, uh-huh. or an Expos no, fan? No, 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 no. You were an Expos fan. Now you're a Nationals fan. Is that the deal? I've actually, I've always been a Cubs fan, to be quite frank. Cubs and Padres are. I've always been the Padres because San Diego is the greatest city in America. It's just gorgeous, and well, New York's great too. But you don't have palm trees, and uh, I've always just liked the Cubs because they always were perennial losers, and to actually have them win sort of 
ruined things in, in a sense. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, it did, you know. Cause I used to go to the Wrigley Field back in 85, 86. Oh, wow. Drive out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, and, fair and, enough. I won't, I, I mean, I, I but, get... But the Expos and the Canadians, no, I, I can't do Toronto. The Blue Jays are awful. The, the What are the Maple Leafs? Oh, God, Jimmy Ball. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, I brought up a sore subject. <laughs> Oh, no. Listen, the Raptors are okay, right? No, 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 no. Listen, I will take a New York Islanders Stanley Cup graciously before I will ever take a Toronto Maple Leaf Stanley Cup. Wow. And thankfully, they have never won one since I've been born. So Me too. Me too. I was born in 83. That was the last time they were born. They, 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 uh, they won a cup. That's hilarious. No, the, the well, you mean the, uh, the Islanders. Islanders, yeah. No, I, I saw the Islanders win cups, but the uh, blue, uh, not the blue, Maple Leafs, they won in 67. I was born in 68, so I think it's, oh. I think it's my fault that they haven't won, and I'm very proud of that. You know what? Guns N' Roses, they do have uh, hockey jerseys for sale, right? No? Yes, they do. I think Axel's worn a, a Flyers jersey on stage, right? Oh, he went to the whole um, the stage when he had the cornrows wearing jerseys, you know? Right. He unfortunately came out in a Rangers jersey when I saw him. And you come, and there was that whole story when he met Piazza. He came out in the Yankees yeah. jersey, and Piazza was at the show, and he like kind of jokingly yelled at Axel backstage. He's like, Derek Jeter's not here. I am. Why don't you wear a Mets jersey? So, uh, well, we've used a lot of sports analogies here on uh, Appetite for Distortion, so I guess it all makes sense. Um, yeah, well, well, we, we can live without the uh, Rangers, Maple Leafs, and Bruins ever winning anything ever again. We'll <laughs> leave it at that. All right, we'll Those three that. can be banned from cups. I'm, I'm good with it. <laughs> okay, well, we, we agree on that. And, uh, and of course, we agree on our, our love of Guns N' Roses. So yeah, th- and it's been great fun, and, and I'll, I'll give you some show updates in August when I see them again this summer. It, it, it's going to be great. Awesome. Really appreciate it, Mitch. Thank you so Thanks. much. Wonderful to meet you, and uh, we'll definitely talk soon. Have Thanks, a good buddy. one. Such a nice guy, Mitch. Wouldn't you say there, Ian? Ian? Hey, where'd Ian go? He's in my ass! Okay, apparently he's in Axel Rose's ass. No, Ian actually just had to uh, leave as soon as we got off the phone with Mitch to record his uh, self-rep podcast. So, uh, Ian, we'll see you next time. I will see you next time, because this is the end of episode 16 of Appetite for Distortion. Please follow us on Facebook and Twitter, at The AFD Show. Follow us, subscribe on iTunes, leave us a review, and of course, on the iHeartRadio app. We will be back soon with a brand new episode, but in the words of Axel Rose, maybe soon isn't the word, but you'll see it. You've been listening to the distorted minds of Brando and Scotto, dissecting all things Guns N' Roses on Appetite for Distortion. Follow the guys on Twitter at The AFD Show and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The AFD Show. Thanks to the lame-ass security, I'm going home.